This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. Amen. So, um, once again, this is Pastor Appreciation Month, and this month, um, the theme is truth. The theme is truth. So tonight, what I'm going to be talking about is the truth about unity and diversity in the body of Christ. So you hear the words unity and diversity, and you start, may start to think, well, can, that, can, it, can you have unity and can you have diversity? Yes, you can. And I know diversity is kind of a buzzword nowadays. You know, we've got to have a diverse population. We need diversity on this. But we're going to look at it God's way. So you're going to hear these words, you're going to hear unity, you're going to hear diversity, you're going to hear these things, and they may sound like things that, that you hear in secular ways or the world or things that are outside of the church, but we're looking at this from God's perspective because it's the truth about it. And we know that if it's God, it's the truth. So let's go ahead and turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And you probably want to leave your ribbon there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And also if you want to just go ahead and mark Ephesians chapter 4 because we're going to be um, spending a lot of time there tonight. So um, Ephesians chapter 12, we're going to start in verse um, 12. It says, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now God has set the members, every one of them, in the body as it pleased him. So here, we kind of have an analogy here. We're talking about the body of Christ, but Paul is explaining it using our own natural body. We have one body, but we have different members of our bodies. And all of those members perform different functions. They're not the same. So as believers, we're members of one body. That is the body of Christ. Yet we're all different and we're distinct. And that's the way God designed it. So all believers are different. We perform different functions in the body, yet we're combined to make one functioning unit. So even though we're different, we are combined or we're unified to function as one. So each of us is individually placed in the body. So when you're born again, you're placed into the body of Christ. When you're placed into the body of Christ, you're not placed in to do your own thing. You're placed in the body to accomplish that which God has specifically called you to do. As the body of Christ... We're not looking to do our own thing. We are to look to do, carry out his purpose and his plan. That's God's purpose. That's God's plan. So a lot of time what we look at, and we see this a lot now, and they may call themselves Christians. It, 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 it's neither here nor there. But a lot of people, 
in what we would call Christianity. It's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's fine for me. I'm doing this. This, this, God wants me to be happy. God wants me to have this. But let me tell you, as a believer, and, and this, this message is personal tonight. So you're going to hear stuff about unity. You're going to hear stuff about diversity. And it, it's going to hit everybody. But it's personally for each and every one of us. So as I say this, if I use a pronoun like an I or a you or a we, it always really means I or me. Okay? So as a believer, I have a God-given responsibility to other believers and non-believers. So what does that that mean? That means that when I become a believer, it's not always about me. My life is now Christ. It, It belongs to Christ. So now I have a responsibility to the believers in the body of Christ and to non-believers. You say, what? I have a responsibility to non-believers? Yes. Because let me tell you, if believers didn't have a responsibility to non-believers, how would you have become a believer? If somebody hadn't preached the gospel to you, if somebody hadn't lived the gospel in front of you, how would you have known God? So you don't understand. You're sitting here, you can't sit here and have... What is it? A, a personal, a me-centric life. Because you have a God-given responsibility. Not a responsibility that I'm giving you. Not a responsibility that the pastor is giving you or some other person is giving you. God is giving you that responsibility. So I have to give out what God has given to me. So it, it's always great. God, make me a blessing. Bless me so that I can bless others. But what, what happens is you say that, but, but what are you giving out? No one is an island. We always hear that say, but nobody's cut off from themselves. God didn't save you to make you by yourself away from people and just you. You know, uh, Minister Rodriguez was talking about this Sunday, talking about how people say, well, God, I can get, I can read my, all I need is my Bible. That's not the way God set it up. God set it up for he's going to give in to you so he can give out to others. So God didn't set you, set us up to be unconnected. So what God pours into me, I can't hoard up for myself and then just do my own thing. God wants to be good to me, or he wants to be good to you too. He wants to be good to me so I can be good to others. So it's not just about me sitting here saying, God, thank you for what you've done for me. God, bless me. God, help me. Thank you for giving me, you know, this and that and the other and just holding it on to it. That's not the way God said for it to be. So... In my teaching, my objective tonight is just to explain how unity and diversity are necessary in the body of Christ to accomplish God's purpose. So that's pretty much it. It's, it's, it's not a really fancy objective. It's pretty simple, but it's simple for a reason. So my objective is to explain how unity and diversity are necessary in the body of Christ to accomplish God's purpose. So to understand unity and diversity in the body of Christ, we're going to break it up kind of into two parts. We're going to talk about unity, then we're going to talk about diversity. When we get into these parts, there are several questions that I'm going to answer here. So first question when it comes to unity is, how is unity accomplished? What is unity? What is my responsibility regarding unity? And why is unity important? Then we get into diversity. We're going to kind of follow the similar format. We're going to talk about what is diversity and where does it come from. So where does diversity come from? 
Why is diversity needed? And then what is my responsibility regarding diversity? So we go ahead and flip over to um, Ephesians chapter 2. A lot of times we hear these things, and it sounds great. Unity diversity in the body of Christ, oh, that sounds great. Until we get to the part about what we have to do. Because let me tell you, God has already done what he's going to do. He's already done the work. Now it's up to you. It's up to us to do what God has called us to do. But let's start off here with how is unity accomplished. So unity is accomplished. We are unified into the body of Christ when we're born again. So we're baptized into his body. When we accept uh, Jesus as our Lord and Savior, however you want to say it, we are baptized into the body. We are placed into the body of Christ. So it's Christ's body and he's the head. So you can see unity is established when I'm born again. So let's go over to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 13 through 18. But now in Christ Jesus... Ye who were sometimes who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were far, far off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. So, when you have time, read all of that because I'm pulling things out just because of time. So in this, we can see that they're talking, Paul is talking about two different people. He's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. So in this time, it was, you're either a Jew or you're a Gentile. Basically, you're either a Jew or not a Jew. So what Paul is saying is there was division. There was enmity. You did not have the access to God. There was division among people. But then Jesus came and he brought unity. So we all come from different places. We all have different experiences. We all have different backgrounds. We all have, we like different things. We do different things. But the thing that we have in common is much more important than anything else. And the thing that we have in common is Jesus. So what I like about this is in verse 17, it says, And came and preached to you which were far off and to them that were nigh. And what it's saying is, okay, he preached to the Gentiles. They were far off. But you know what? He preached to the Jews too and they were close. So it doesn't matter. Maybe in this case, it's like you had some who were close to you, some who were far away. The difference didn't matter. He preached to all of them. And that's how unity is made. So it's by Jesus' sacrifice that we've been saved from sin. He's made us one body, his body, and we've been baptized into that body or placed into that body. And we're unified by Christ. So when we look at this, what our differences are our differences, but what we have in common the salvation that we have. And the thing about it is we all came to salvation the same way. 
There's no different way for anybody else. So nobody can say I came to Jesus in a special way. Or I came, I got, it told you, you got access the same way. The same way. So we all come in and he made us one body. There's one door. In the Bible it says there's one way and that's Christ. We all came through Christ and we are all part of his body. So it's by him that we have peace with God, that we are in a working relationship. We can be in a working relationship with God and that we are unified. So we're no longer different, but we're one. And that's because of what Christ has done. Go over to Galatians chapter 3. So the work that Christ has accomplished, you can be one. You just have to accept the work. So you have to come in. You have to accept the work. You have to accept the gospel. However you want to say it, you have to be born again. You have to accept the salvation. And that's how you come into oneness. So in um, Galatians chapter 26, we're going to look at um, verses 26 through 29. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So there we are. We are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ. And if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So we've all put on Christ. And in here, it's saying, okay, there's no, neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free, free. There's neither male nor female. And you see, it's like, well, wait, yes, there is. But what he's talking about here, he's not talking about the external. So our unity is not based on the external. It's based on the eternal truth of the living God and the internal change that occurs when we truly have faith in who he is and what he's done. So that, that's where our unity comes from. So that's how unity is accomplished. So what is unity? I know usually you tell what something is and then you break it down, but I wanted to see you, show you how unity is accomplished. And then we're going to take a look at what is unity. Go over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. So I'm going to start it, but I hate having to do, I hate starting it, but, because that means there's something before that, but for the sake of time, I will start here. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to read verses 15 through 16. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, which make it increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So, looking at what I just read, unity, unity is oneness. It's a state of oneness. Unity happens when things that were once separate are brought together and connected to each other. Unity occurs when you're joined to something. So, I'm going to read, I'm going to read verses 15 and 16 again. But speaking the truth in love may grow up, excuse me, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, 
from whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So, oneness occurs when we were separate. We were, we were not together. And we were brought in by Christ. And now we are connected. We are unified. We are joined to something. We are joined to the body of Christ. So we hear that. Okay, we're joined to the body of Christ. So that's what unity is. But there are some things unity is not. So I want to clarify some things here. So what is it, unity? Unity is not just being close to something or around something. So I can say that I am a member or I am, oh yeah, I am a member of the body of Christ, but I am not connected. I can be around it. So, you know, you think about, um, I'm trying to think of something. Okay, so like uh, you think about when you have um, your, you're going to charge your phone or you're going to plug something in. You can have that, that plug close to the outlet. And it can be right there. And there could be power in the outlet and the device or whatever you're going to plug up is working properly. But until you connect it, it doesn't have what it needs. So you can say that I'm a member of the body, but you can act like you're not joined to it. You can say I'm a I can be around the things of God. I can be around the people of God. I can have the right words to say. I can do the right things. But that doesn't mean I'm, con- I'm a part of the body. To be a part of the body, that means I'm connected to it. You see, down there was talking about, um, according to the uh, every joint supplier. When, when I'm connected, that means that there's something. Think about the electricity we were just talking about. The electricity is coming to the outlet, and it's going through that plug, and it's going up that cable and that cord. So it's not just sitting there idle. Something is happening. That connection made something happen. So I can't say that I'm a member of the body if I'm not connected to the body. So I can't be out doing my own thing and say that I'm a member of the body. So that's not unity. Another thing that unity is not is unity is not uniformity. We get this one a lot. Oh, if you don't do this, you're not a Christian. Oh, oh my goodness! You you don't you don't you don't celebrate Christmas? Did you put Xmas on that card you gave me? You left the Christ out of Christmas. So we think that those things unify us, and they don't. I know some of y'all are like, no, you didn't bring up Christmas. Yeah, I did. But the thing about it is, we try to let the exterior unify us when it is the internal, the the God, the heart that you have that you that has been changed that has been made alive to God that unifies us. So we don't all have to do the same things and be the same way to be in unity with Christ. What we have to do is we have to believe the same things as it pertains to the doctrine of God. So we don't have to, you know, um, now the big thing is, you know, we don't, we don't all have to think the same thing about vaccines. We don't all have to vote the same way. You know, people were Christians and unified in the body of Christ before they could vote, before there were, before there were any vaccines. 
So what you have to realize, you know, those are all distractions. Those are things to pull you away. Unity is not uniformity. Uniformity is saying you have to do something. You have to be like this. And usually it's like be like me because I don't want to change. So you need to be like me. So unity comes from within and is established and is maintained by the power of God. Uniformity, on the other hand, is a result from pressure without. So somebody's pressuring you. And maybe, you know, you say, I say pressure and you think somebody's just in your face nagging. But they somehow make you feel like you have to do a certain thing. And that's not how, that's not what unity is. Uniformity is the result of pressure. Uniformity from without. Now, pressure from within, that's called conviction. That's conviction. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you. And a lot of times, pressure from without, people are going to do it. People are going to know that you're being pressured. You're going to know it. And conviction, you can be getting convicted and nobody know it but you and God. So understand, God will convict you. But let me tell you, people who want to, or you may be the person who's saying, well, you got to do this if you say you love God. you got to do that. And they're all exterior things. Uniformity is man's effort. Uniformity is a dead work. It is me trying to do something to get get me get me um, approved by God out of out of outside of His grace. It is my work. It is not the the work of grace in my life. So that's uniformity. It is be like this because because you need to be like that. It's not the character that's produced by a renewed heart. So unity. It's not uniformity. We're not all the same, but we're unified in purpose and mindset. So as members of the body of Christ, we have to let go of our individual purpose and our individual mindset and take on the mindset and purpose of Christ. See, a lot of times what happens is uniformity comes in when we want to have things our way. So we think, okay, well, I, you know, I grew up in a church. I love God. So what the way I do it, it must be the way it always is. You know, we we never had we never had singing after the message, so you can't have that. So any church that has that, that's, they're not a god. You know, and and there be and you know that that was just a wild one. But there are certain things people will say that's not of God because it's not what I've always seen. And if people do things a certain way, oh oh you look a certain way. Oh you have a tattoo. Oh you have a nose ring. That can't be of God. Because I, what I always heard was that was wrong. But you don't know what's in that person's heart. First thing you did was they're not like me. So how can they be like God? So well, the thing about it is got to make sure you're like God. So we, uniformity is not unity. We don't all have to wear the same clothes. We don't all have to drive the same car. What we do have to do is we all have to believe the same thing. We have to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, let's go over to, uh, flip over to Ephesians chapter 4. As believers, we're connected to the body, and we take on the purpose and the mindset of Christ. A body, our body does not do something different than the head. So the body of Christ should not do something that's different from the head. So as believers, we need to live like Christ, Right? Live like Christ. Do what, what was the thing everybody used to say? What would Jesus do? So, in unity, we say we, we've been placed in unity, but what is my responsibility? 
in unity. So let's go over to Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to read, we're going to read verses uh, 1 through 7. Verse 1 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So, my responsibility regarding unity is to make every effort to work hard to stay in unity. So here it is. This first, this first verse here says, this is Paul when his eye says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you call, ye are called. So, Globally, when he's talking about the vocation where which you've called, you've been called out of darkness into light. You've been placed into the kingdom of God. So what you're supposed to do, now you're called a child of God. We looked at that over in Galatians. So now what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to walk worthy of that calling. You're not supposed to live the way you used to live. And then it goes on and says, Wait a minute, here it is, with all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering. So it's saying this is the way you're supposed to walk. This is what you're supposed to do. So our unity is based on what we believe, but what we believe will show up in what we do. So let's go, let's read verses 4 through 6 again. So what do we believe? There's one body. There's one body of Christ. There's one spirit. There's one Holy Spirit. Even as you are called, there's one hope of your calling. There's a hope that we have. There's a hope that one day the the reward, we're going to get our reward. The redemption, the redemption that we're looking forward to, one day that is coming. There's one hope of our calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and in above all and through all and in you all. We don't stray from this. That is what we believe. Anything different, when you start bringing in different doctrines, and you know what? I'm telling you, you better, you, you better pray and you better listen to God. Because things will come in and it will pull you away from the doctrine. Because, okay, one hope, one Lord, one faith. When you start trying to make somebody be who you think they should be and say that's how they become a Christian, that's when you're pulled away from the faith. That's when you're away from the one faith. So what keeps us in unity is not all these exterior things, but it's what we believe here. So what we do is we believe this. We, we keep that as our focus. Earlier I said there are distractions that are coming in. Uh, what people do, what people say, all these different things, those are distractions. When those distractions come up, what do we know about distractions? You don't, you don't look at the distraction. You look on what you're trying to do. You look on what you're accomplishing. So we go back to that one faith. We go back to the one Lord, one baptism. The thing, go back to what your foundation. That's why your foundation has to be sure. So you go back to that, and that's what unifies us. That's what we have in common. So as a believer, what I have to do is I have to maintain unity. 
I have to do everything in my power. And what I mean by that is, it's the grace of God and His Holy Spirit that empowers us. But I have to allow the grace of God and His power to work in and through me. So what does that mean? So let's, let's, I want to break that down because I think we say it and I know sometimes I just assume that you guys are in my head and you see all the other thoughts that I'm not communicating to you through my mouth. So I'm going to tell you what I mean. So I just use the example of people will say, well, you, 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 oh, you don't want to get the vaccine or you're going to get the vaccine. How can you be a believer? So you hear all this noise. So it is your responsibility to push that noise out. It is your responsibility to do whatever it takes, not to be rude, to still do this, to still with all lowliness and be meek, have long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Still keeping the character of Christ, but push all those distractions out. So you know what that means? If I have to turn off the TV, I turn off the TV. That means I don't get on social media, I don't get on social media. If that means that when I have a conversation with somebody, they bring those things up, I say, oh, you know what, i got to go, or change the subject. I'm not going to get distracted by other things that, that's going to pull me away from what God has called me to do. That's going to blur my vision and cause me to think that, hey, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe this gospel is something different. Maybe we need to add something to it. Maybe it's just not this. Because a lot of times that's what happens. We don't say it that way. But if you've ever said, oh, they, they do that. Is that right? So as a believer, what we have to do is we have to stick to what God has given us. And we have to make sure, we have to make every effort. We have to push forward, even through the distractions, even through what we want to do, what we want to say, our own desires. That's what I mean by every effort. The power is coming from God, but you've got to let the power flow through you. So that means that you've got to move everything out of the way. So think of it as like a hallway in your home. So you ever like clean out your closet and you throw everything in the, in the hallway and now nobody can get through? So that's, that's the way it is. The Holy Spirit, His power, God is, is working, is like, I'm here, but you got all this other mess and I can't get through. So my effort is to get all that mess out. And then to let God come, then he's working, he's in me, now he's working in me, now he can work through me. So that's what we mean, you've got to get all of that stuff out. So our hearts and our minds have to be submitted to God, and we have to obey God. You know, a lot of times we say, well, I'm submitted to God, but you're not doing what God told you to do. So God says, get rid of these thoughts. God says, get rid of these activities. God says... Don't spend so much time with these people. You know what? Turn off your TV. Do this. I'm submitted to God, but you're still doing those things he tells you not to do. And sometimes it's little things just like that. But we have to be submitted to God to maintain the unity. So we have to maintain unity because unity is important. You know, it's, it's like, why would it be in the Bible if it wasn't important? You know, but I want to make sure we understand this. That we just don't take it for granted because you need to know. You need to know what's going on. You need to know why, why is unity important. When you think about our body, our body being unified is important so we can carry out the things that need to be done. You know, um, there's no way if my hand decided it didn't want to be unified to my body, I couldn't have gotten here tonight. My mind would have been like, oh, I really want to get there. I really want to teach. I really want to do what I need to. But my hand says, nope, I'm out. I'm just going to sit up here and just, you know, 
sit on the couch. In the body of Christ, we need to be unified to accomplish his purpose. We need to be unified to accomplish his plan. Let's go over to John chapter 7. So John chapter 7, oh, excuse me, sorry, 17. I'm sorry about that, y'all. John chapter 17. I'll give you a second to get there since I gave you the wrong scripture. John chapter 17, and we're going to read verses um, 20 through 23. Now, this is Jesus, and he is praying. So here's Jesus praying. He's saying in verse 20, it says, Neither pray I for these alone. So he's talking, these alone are the apostles. But for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. So, unity, the unity of the believers, first of all, our unity is with God. So, we're unified with God. We're unified with other believers, and that's important because when that happens, God, once again, God's going to work in and through us. And the world will see that the Father sent the Son. And we will know that God loves us as deeply, as intimately, and as lasting as he loves Jesus, his son. So when we are unified, Jesus said it right here. Jesus said it right here. This, you, you being in unity, you being one in that oneness, this is what's going to be shown. So we see here, unity is important, and you see Jesus praying for unity. You see, you see him saying, this is what needs to happen. So God, I'm going, Father, I am going to pray that they be one as you and I are one. They and me and I and you. So you, you see it. Jesus is praying for this. So you're like, yeah, that's a big deal because we need to be unified. He's praying. He's praying for those. If you look in, um, what verse is that? On verse 20, it says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. We've been talking about a lot about the apostles' doctrine lately. There it is right there. Those who believe on Jesus because of what the apostles preached. That's us. He's praying for us. He's praying for our unity in love, our unity in obedience to God, and um, our unity and commitment to the will of God. That we don't stray away from that. That we stay in unity with that. That we stay one with that. So God's love is exemplified through unity. So when we see this, we see, wait, if people are going to see that the Father sent the Son through unity, and people are going to see the Father's love towards us, mankind, through unity then unity is vital to evangelism. That, there it is. You know, I, that's, um, unity is vital to evangelism. 
So we want to be effective in people hearing the gospel and preaching the gospel. We have to be in unity. We have to be one. There's strength in unity. In unity, there's effectiveness. There's power in unity. You can be, you know, what is it? The whole, the sum of the whole is greater than its parts. That's unity. You add things together and you, and you got three plus three plus three, but you end up with 15. That's unity. Because when you put it together, it became more than what it was. So it's the grace of God that enables and sustains unity in the body. It's the grace of God working. That's how we're saved. That's how, that's, you know, it's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. We cannot, when we break it down, when we try to make it something else that, that enables us and that sustains us in unity, that's when we get, we pervert unity. And that's when you get all these different things that I don't really have time to go into, but that's when you get all these man-made things that um, actually just make people feel left out and just, you know, these little, like, uh, like special clubs. And that's really what it is. I'm better than you, so I'm doing this. So if you can't do this, when you rely on your own power, that's what comes out of that. But when we rely on the power of God, unity will be sustained. So it's also the grace of God, his power, that brings about diversity or different functions or giftings in the body. So we've all been placed in the body. And each of us has a specific thing that we're supposed to do. We each have a specific gift. We have a specific function, something to carry out. Let's go over uh, back to, um, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So that was unity. So we're unified in the body of Christ. We believe the same things. We don't all have to be the same people. You, You can like red, I can like blue. That, that's not our unity. Our unity is in Christ, what we believe, the, our heart that has been changed. My responsibility in unity is to do everything that I can to stay in unity, to focus on the gospel, to focus on the truth, to focus on the apostles' doctrine, to let God work in and through me and live like Christ so that unity can be maintained. So then we come to diversity. Let's look at verse um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to start in verse number four. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operation, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So here we are. I'm just going to read those three scriptures. So it says there are diversities of gifts. There are differences of administration. There are diversity of of operation. So this word diversity, like I said, that's kind of a buzzword right now, diversity. So what does diversity mean? It means various. It means different, a variety, different kinds, not the same. So it just means different. Different things, a variety, that's what diversity is. So where does diversity come from? And why is it needed? We're going to look at that question and we're just going to put those together. So diversity, it comes from God. 
The Holy Spirit gives a diversity of gifts so that individuals can serve the Lord and his body, his church, in various ways. All the gifts are empowered by God and exercised under his protection, backing, and support. The gifts are given for the common good of the body, for building others up, not for personal gain. So diversity comes from God. All the gifts are empowered by God and exercised under his protection, backing, and support. The gifts are given for the common good of the body, for the building up of others, not for personal gain. So a lot of times we will hear people say, God gave me this gift and I am using the gift that God gave me, but there's no building up or there's of, of the body of Christ or there is no using it for the common good. Then guess what? They're not exercising it under God's protection, his backing, and his support. And we're going to talk about how you, you work in your gift. God's work is effective. It accomplishes its purpose. So believers, we're called to active service. So when we think of the gifts, think of service. So as believers, we're called to active service, but... It is the energy and the effectiveness of God that we do these things that we do, that we serve. So what do I mean by that? So, God empowers me. God makes me effective, but I just can't sit down and say, well, God may empower me and makes me effective, so I'm just going to sit here. Right? Oh, yeah, well, okay, just now. So God, I'm, I'm going to give you an example. God empowered me and made me effective. No, the stream didn't break. I just didn't do anything. But I said God empowered me and made me effective. I just sat there. I'm like, mm, I'm not active. So if God empowers me and makes me effective, then that empowerment and that ability to be effective, I've got to actively use it. I've got to let it come out. I can't just sit there and hold it. Remember I told you, you just can't sit there and hold what God gives you. So I have to actively do something. So... In this, we're talking about spiritual gifts. So, for tonight, this is how we're going to define a, spirit, define a spiritual gift. It is a capacity for service given by grace. It's a function, a ministry, or ability given to the believer, powered by the Holy Spirit, for the edification of the body of Christ. So, once again, it is a capacity for service given by grace. It is a function, a ministry or ability given to the believer, powered by the Holy Spirit for the edification of the body of Christ. A spiritual gift means that the Holy Spirit is doing a particular service through the believer and using the believer to do it. The believer is actively involved. I know it's just like, oh man, that took out some of the, you know, some of the the way you took some of the air out of my cells, you know, when you heard that it's a gift for, it's a service. You want me to serve somebody? Yes. So, the gift that God has given you, whatever it is, is to serve. It's to serve. It is to be in unity in the body and endeavoring to keep that unity. And then it is to serve. 
The gift exists for the benefit of the church community, not the status of the individual. So, it's not for you. The gift works through you for somebody else. Once again, Minister Rodriguez was all over it Sunday when he was talking about God works through the teacher, the person preaching the word, and the Holy Spirit works through the teacher, and then you hear it and the Holy Spirit works through you. But see how it is? It's not that person just doesn't hold what God has given them, what God has, um, what was the word, given them a capacity to do, has made them apt or given them the aptitude to do. That is for service. So we don't all have the same work. And we don't all do the same thing. But once again, let's go back. What we have in common is whatever we are doing is done for the same Lord with a view of serving others, not ourselves, and the same purpose. So we're not doing all the same thing, but we're doing it for the same reason. So God equips us to serve. And once again, the gifts are for building up the body. So it's by God's grace that we're able to operate in the gifts that he's given us. The thing about it is we're the tool. We're God's tool. God provides the power and he's working through us. We all need the same thing. That's God's power. Whatever's in us, if we're not, if God is not empowering us, then we can't do it. So we all need the same thing. So therefore, our heart, our character, and our conduct is aligned with God. Go back over to when we looked in Ephesians and said, those who were close and those who were far off, it was Jesus. We all need the same thing. We all need His grace. We all need, we need the Holy Spirit. So it's our character, our conduct, and our heart. It's all aligned with God. And we work out of that. Now, we, we're all aligned in that, but the output or the result looks different. We all do different things, but the power and the way we do it, the heart, the internal of it is the same, but what we do, how it comes out is differently, is different. So I was thinking about this, and we'll, we'll, I'm going to give an example with the body. So there are certain things that your body needs, like certain vitamins, certain minerals, certain things like that that your body needs, and each part of the body uses it, and that body functions in a different way. So one of the things I was thinking about was um, keratin. Your body needs keratin. Keratin is very beneficial for, like, your skin, your hair, your nails. So if you have keratin, if you have the right amount of uh, keratin in your body, it's going to um, help your hair, your nails, your skin. But guess what? It's the same keratin. It came into the body the same way. But guess what? Your nails don't do the same thing that your hair does. Doesn't do the same thing that the skin does. That's the same way. We all, the same Holy Spirit empowers all of us, but we all do a different work. We all have a different function. But that doesn't mean the power comes from a different place. It just looks different. But we need all of that. The body needs all of that. So God is performing His work in and through the believers, and God has prepared a path of good works for us. And he will perform in and through us as we walk by faith. Let's go over to Philippians chapter 2. So Philippians chapter 2, we're going to read just verse 13. 
For it is God which worketh in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. So it is God which worketh both in you, in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. So God gives you the desire and the ability to carry it out. Tonight we're not going to talk about what everybody's gifts are. But there are things that God has given you the ability to do. And you'll say, man, I'm kind of good at this. I'm kind of good at that. And you're like, I like, you know, God, I've been thinking about that. That's God giving you the desire. And then he gives you the ability to do it. So you're one with him and he says, look at this. Let me show you this. And you'll say, oh, oh. And you'll realize that is God. He's giving you the desire to do it and the ability to do it. So you're the tool. We are the tool. We're God's tool. The tool is designed for the work. The work is not designed for the tool. So I don't, a lot of people will do this. You know, like you see something really, oh, I'll just use myself for example. I'll go in somewhere like a makeup store and I'll see something. It just looks cool. I don't really even know what it is. I don't need it. I don't, I just think it looks cool. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. So I buy it. And I'm, and then I'm going on, on YouTube and all these other places trying to figure out what to do with it. So, I bought the tool and then look for the work. That's not the way it is. God has the work. And now he doesn't, he doesn't make the work fit for us. He makes us fit for the work. So we're created to do these good works that God has ordained. And he's making us fit to do that. So he's not looking for what you think you are able to do. He says, no, this is what you can do. And I'm going to empower you. I'm going to make you fit for that. So each of us has something different to do. Each of us has different functions. So in diversity, what is my responsibility regarding diversity? In diversity, I must operate in my gifts, ability, and services out of love and Christ-like character. So my responsibility in diversity is to operate my, in my gifts, my God-given gifts, my God-given abilities, and God-given services out of love and Christ-like character. And this is the love of God now, not the love we want. So I'm going to have to agree with, submit to, and obey God. I'm going to have to do what God has called me to do, not what I want Him or what He has not called me to do. We, a lot of times you hear the, uh, the phrase, stay in your lane. Here we go. Stay in your lane. Stay in what God has ordained you to do. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. So we've read this, but I want to read it again. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you've been called, without lowliness and meekness, and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So, in diversity, that means that I am different, somebody else is different, we all have different gifts. Whatever I'm doing, I'm going to do it with all lowliness, with all meekness, with all long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. I am, once again, going to submit to God. I am not going to try to have my way. I am a child of God. I am, I've been called into the body of Christ. 
So guess what? I've given up who I am, and now I'm laying that down, and I'm taking on the character that God has called me to have. So that's my part, one of my parts. Actually, it's going to flow all together here. That's what I do in diversity. So the thing about it is we, I say you've got to obey God. If God has called you to do something, if he's given you the ability to perform that service, then you must obey him and perform that service. And you must perform it the way he calls you to do it. And the way he calls you to do it was all lowly, with all lowliness, meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the bond of peace. Not in um, pride, not in arrogance, on the opposite side, not in a belittling of yourself, not in, you know, not being who you're supposed to be, trying to, to be uh, just making yourself small. What God has called you to do, do it. Do it the way he called you to do it. I have to walk worthy. And, and I keep saying this. To my responsibility in diversity is to be something. And that is to be what God says I'm supposed to be. It's not just to have words. I have to be the word. I have to let the word reside in me and live it. So I consistently have to bring forth this character, this lowliness, this meekness, this long-suffering, this forbearing one another in love. I can't say, well, I don't want to do that today because so-and-so got on my nerves. Or I don't want to do that because I know, God, you told me to teach, but I don't necessarily think, I don't think that those people deserve for me to teach them. Or, God, you want me to teach the children? No. Or, God, you want me to do this? You want me to do this? But you told me I have this gift. God's like, no. You, you do it the way I told you to do it. So, in the body, different people are given different gifts by the Spirit. So that the body can function all of its necessary capacity. So there's different gifts and different functioning, but guess what? There's not um, difference in purpose and mindset. There's no diversity in what we believe. We looked at it. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all. So that's not our diversity. Our diversity is that we are separate. We are different members united to accomplish the will of God. We're not going to go here because I'm running out of time and I want to. Um, actually, yeah, because this is, this, is, this is pretty important here. We'll just get to where we get to. So um, 1 Corinthians um, chapter 12, verse 27. I'm going to go ahead and read it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. So we're the body of Christ. We are members. Each of us are separate. We're connected. We're particular members. We all have our own place. We all have our own function. Every believer is, is freely gifted, get, uh, have the gift given by the Holy Spirit. Every believer is gifted. Every believer is important. Every believer is a servant. We all need each other. So I'm going to read that again because I, I, want you to, I want you to make sure that you get this. Every believer is gifted. Every believer is important. Every believer is a servant, and we all need each other. There is, um, okay, I'm just going to read this in verse, uh, and this is going to make sense. It's going to lead all into it. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to start reading in verses, verse 18. 
But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, but yet one, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again, the, the head to the feet, I have no need of thee. No need of you. So here we are. Now think about this. Your hand says, uh, like I said, my hand's like, I don't really need you today, head. I'm done. I don't really need you today, foot. Think, you know, that, that just even saying it, you're like, that doesn't make sense. So we all need each other. We're all part of one body. So my responsibility to diversity is to operate in love. Love will not have comparison or competition. So my responsibility is to avoid comparison and competition in the body. So we're all different, and that's by God's design. God didn't say, oh, I made that one. You know, like sometimes, like, you know, some, I, I like to bake, so sometimes I'm making cupcakes and like, or muffins, and like I'll get a little, like one will be really big and one will be really small, and I say, man, I messed it up. That's not what God did. It was by design that we are who we are. And he did this, and it's necessary. Different things can't be compared. You always hear this. You can't compare, I'm comparing apples and oranges saying you can't do them because they're different. It doesn't make any sense. Comparison pulls away from our unity. Comparison leads to competition. So, and this to me is one of the most detrimental things in the body of Christ. Comparison and competition. If we're members of the same body, and that's the body of Christ, who are we competing against? So if we're in the body and we're competing against other members of the body, then we're divided. We're no longer, and once again, you're, you're not operating in love because you're seeking your own thing, because you're competing. This causes discord and schisms in the body. This weakens the body. So we're not all the same, so we can't compare. What you have to do is not what I have to do. What, the gift that God has given you, I don't necessarily have. I don't have a lot of time, but I was trying to think of an example of this, and it's a perfect example we were doing something, and, and something had happened, and, like, something needed to be said. Like, something, I don't want to say corrected, but just something needed to be addressed. And Minister Stinson was there. And I saw it, and I was like, "Woo!" and she addressed it. Because it was like, that was not my ability. At that point, that, she did it perfectly. She did exactly, it edified the body. Now, if I tried to jump in where it wasn't me, it wasn't, it wasn't me, it wasn't who God made me. You know, like, you be, be who you are. Because God gives us all certain things to do and, and how to do them. At that point, she had, God gave her that service. Now, I may have been in the position, I noticed that, oh, this needed to be said. But I didn't know how to say it. Before I could finish the thought, God had already worked through her. So, we can't, I can't be feeling bad because I'm not Minister Stinson. You can't feel bad. You know, and I think about that. We, we're, we're both women. We're both ministers. We're b- both around the same age, but we're different. And, it, and you know what? It is great that we're different because God uses that. But when I compare or when you compare yourself to somebody or you're envious or covetous of somebody else's gift, what you're telling God, you're telling God, 
What you gave me, what you made me is not good enough, God. I want something different. So we can't let that happen. See, that's, this is another thing that you have to, um, what's the word? We have to continue. We have to give all our energy and make every effort. We have to endeavor not to get into those things. That's another distraction. What you have to do is, if you don't know, you have to sit down with God and say, God, show me, show me my services. Show me my abilities. Show me the gifts that you've given me. And God will show you. He'll show you how to work through those things. But you cannot compare and you cannot compete with other people in the body. You will never be at peace in that. And the body is always going to be hurt when you do that. So um, we have to allow the body, the, the Holy Spirit to work in and through us and allow God's grace to empower us. So where is God's tool? He's created us. He leads us. He protects us. He empowers us. So we cannot compare ourselves to anyone else. And the comparison and competition and strife from coming in, we have to be motivated by love. And we're not going to go here, but I'm going to give you this scripture. It's 1 Corinthians um, chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. And it's talking about what love is. And love is kind. Love is patient. Love is, it doesn't seek itself. Love is, doesn't envy so when we, when we work out of love, those things will be pushed away. Now, we have to endeavor to do that. We've got to put forth an effort to do that. So that is my responsibility to diversity. And the last thing, I'm going to give you this scripture, and I want you to read this, and I'm going to tell you this is an example of diversity and unity in the body. It's in Acts chapter 6. It's verses 1 through 7. And this is when, um, this, this is when the deacons were set apart. So, looking at that scripture, there was a need in the body. And the apostles were teaching. They were busy. They were doing what God called them to do. And so they said, well, we need to find somebody who can do this. So guess what? They looked in the body. And there were already people, there were already people who they could choose from who were actively maintaining unity by their character and their conduct. So, they pulled out these men to do this work. They didn't do the same thing that the 12 were doing. They didn't do the same teaching. They didn't do the same work. They did something different, but they didn't have a problem with that. And if you look in verse 7 when you read that, it says that the ministry, that the body was edified. People joined the church. The church was edified. The church grew because some people were there to do the work. There was a distribution of labor. Everybody's not going to do the same thing, but we're all unified in the same body doing the work that God has called us to do. Amen? This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank you.